Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's ultimately ego smashing in the best of the sense. I -hmm. thought I had all the answers. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, that definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Clearly, none of my answers were working. Right. Right. So I had to say, I don't have to figure this out. And today, I still don't have to figure anything out. Right. You just have to get through today. That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to help you become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago. My co-host, Sarah Saunders, is off this week, so I'm flying solo today. But no worries, Sarah will join us again next week on our next mini-sode. Before I begin, a quick reminder... While Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. With that said, let's get started. Jen Prohaska is the owner of The Right Difference, spelled W-R-I-T-E, a blossoming content and copywriting agency headquartered here in Cleveland, Ohio. A marketing professional for more than 20 plus years, Jen got her start in the music industry working for an independent record label, and over the years has helped brands that span the gamut, from major sports teams like the Cleveland Browns and Columbus Blue Jackets, to household names like Duck Brand Duct Tape, Kraft Foods, Oreos, The Cleveland Clinic, and more. I've known Jen personally for almost 20 years and have partnered with her professionally for the past two or three. She's one of the warmest, funniest, and most authentic people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing, and she's my go-to gal when I need to vent to another small business owner. I've invited Jen onto the podcast because the story of how she got here involves some profound personal realizations and setting of boundaries. During our conversation, she tells us about her struggles with addiction, finding clarity and community, surrendering to a higher power, and about being okay with not knowing where her path will lead her next. I know you'll love her as much as I do, so without further ado, my friend and colleague, Jen Prohaska. Hey, Jen. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hello. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So you and I go back a ways and we've worked together for a few years now. 
And one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you is that in working with you and just being around you, I've observed that you're very comfortable saying no to things. In fact, you've kind of set up a pretty strict system of rules and boundaries for yourself, especially when it comes to food or alcohol or friends, time, even the work you do. But that didn't come easy, did it? Tell us about how you got to that place and, and how and when that all started. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I can't help but smile when you say it comes pretty easy because, you know, even though I present this, it's not a facade. Um, I say things confidently and I say things authoritatively, even though inside I could be like, I hope they still like me. You know, I don't know yeah. if that was okay, you know. Um, but yes, you are right in that there are some deal breakers for me um, in terms of setting boundaries and saying no. Um, I am a person who's in recovery. So through 12-step programs, I have recovered from or am recovering from food addiction and uh, I'm an alcoholic. So the only way to recover from those things for me is to say no, a hard mm -hmm. no all yeah. the time. <laughs> no consistent no's. Yeah. Consistent, you know, one day at a time, it is no um, to substances and behaviors that do not serve me. Right. So and how did you find the 12 step program? What happened? What got you to that place? Yeah. So if you don't I, mind sharing, I know that's, it can be tough and personal. So just with whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, um, I love sharing. It's, it's a gift that I can share this. Um, so I have been overweight my, just about my entire life and being overweight ruled my life. You know, if I, I, I often tried out for plays and things in school and I wouldn't get the part. And I was convinced it was because I was fat. Well, no, it was because I couldn't act, nor did I put any <laughs> effort into learning how to act. But that's just one example of, you know, everything would be okay if I were just insert a number. On the right. Scale, right. So um, I picked up alcohol later in life. I mean, in college, a lot of people start in high school. I picked up alcohol because when I drank, all the insecurities about being overweight went away. Mm. So, you know, one stymied the other or helped the other. Um, anyway, so fast forward, I'm in my mid-20s and I have done just about every diet that I could find. You know, this was before the Internet was as ubiquitous as it is now. So I was still buying diet books or going to the mm -hmm. library. You know, we didn't have apps. Smartphones didn't exist. This is, um, you know, 2001. And, and September 11th happened. Mm. And emotionally, I was already at a very low point. Um, I was 220 pounds and I'm 5'5". Five five. Um, I was actively drinking, actively using marijuana, um, very suicidal. Mm. I, my thoughts were, I was obsessed with, with woe is me. Self-pity was my mantra. Now, if you looked at everything on paper, you wouldn't necessarily see that. I mean, my career was going very well. I was working in the music business at a record right. label. Um, I've always been a social person. So I had lots of friends. I was living in Los Angeles, you know, Cleveland girl in LA. Um, 
but I was miserable. And when September 11th happened, it was, uh, I did not, it, it added a layer of emotional complexity that I had no skills or tools or process to work through it. And, um, because you were numbing your feelings every time they came up when you had big, deep, heavy feelings, you didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with little feelings, let alone these big sweeping feelings, right? Oh, and they wow. say that when you, they say when an addict picks up, um, they stop maturing, they stop growing. Well, I've been eating since I was five, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so certainly I, I could process some emotions, um, but yeah, that big one was, was too much for me. And, and there are other details on my personal life, but really it was just, this overwhelming, I just threw my hands up and was like, I don't know what to do. And my father had told me once, or maybe during this time, I don't remember now, but he told me, you know, when you're not really sure what to do or where to go in life, um, you know, take a walk on the beach, take a walk. And what he was saying now, I would interpret as, you know, commune with a God of your understanding, ask the universe put it out mm-hmm. there. What, what should I do? And so I did, I took a walk on the beach and what came to me was it was time to go home, home to Cleveland. So mm-hmm. I packed up all my stuff. And in December of 2001, I moved home. I moved home during Christmas. My family's Christian. My father spent his entire career in the food ingredient business. So suffice to say, I walked into Candyland. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I, at this point, I was eating entire boxes of chocolate. I was eating, you know how they come in layers? I was eating the top layer and switching the, the layers so that nobody would know that I ate the whole. My, meanwhile, no one's looking, but there's yeah. the secrecy. There's this shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wow. um, yeah. And so um, I had been told about 12-step programs for both alcohol and food previously. And when it dawned on me, we call this a moment of clarity, that I cannot control my foods. I couldn't stop eating, basically. I was like, well, um, there's got to be a program out there for me. And I, Google was not around necessarily, but I searched it Mm -hmm. probably on Yahoo. And Mm -hmm. um, I found two things. I found bariatric surgery and I found this 12-step program. And at the time, bariatric surgery was not as common place as it is today. Um, and I still would have had to gain like 10 or 20 pounds, I think, to qualify. But it was this or go to a meeting. And I thought, well, I'll go to this meeting of this program. And if that doesn't work, I'll do what I have to do and, and get surgery. And I went to the meeting on a Friday night and everything changed. How did that change? What did you hear that, that, that changed things for you? What, like, what, was it just that you found a group of people that you weren't alone and there, and oh, aha, there's a solution and there are other people going through this? Or was there something you heard or what, what made you buy in right away? All of the above. I heard hope, Uh, overwhelming hope. This particular meeting was a discussion. So we sat around the table and people were saying things about food and love. 
that I had never heard voiced. Mm. I didn't even know that that's what I was thinking because it's so intrinsic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, for a variety of reasons, did not cry in public and would certainly not cry in front of strangers. And I sat there and bawled. I I could not stop. Just like, just relief, recognition. Just, I, you know, when you, when I walk into a meeting, all the armor comes off, whether I want it to or not. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm, I'm home. I can be me, the good, bad, ugly, in between. Shame goes um, away. Um, not immediately, but, um, yeah, that process is certainly begins. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah, and, and all I knew was that I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I was like, I cannot lose this weight. I am a smart person. You know, I was gifted back in school. <laughs> I can argue with just about anybody. Um, you know, good student, et cetera, et cetera. I could not lose weight mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, frustrated is not a strong enough word. Mm-hmm. And and I just surrendered. And there were people here that were happy, joyous, and free. I'll never forget. Perfect example. So we're sitting at this table and this woman at the end of the table says, you know, I haven't had ice cream in seven years. And my jaw dropped. And I just looked at her like, what? How are you still alive? <laughs> How, what? what? Yeah. And, and here's, and here's the, the, the key. She didn't miss it. Mm-hmm. she didn't want it to want something mm-hmm. and not be able to have it is torture mm-hmm. she didn't want it mm-hmm. and now i know that she hasn't had ice cream in probably 25 years so i haven't had ice cream in 20 years like and i don't wow. want it. i don't mm-hmm. miss it well i told you or you told me once that you didn't have a weight problem you had a food problem and that you didn't really have a food problem you had a thinking problem so that sounds like what you're talking about here. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there are 12 steps and only the very first step talks about the substance. The rest of the steps are all about finding a God of your understanding, taking responsibility for your life, continuing that relationship with a God of your understanding, and then turning around and sharing it with others. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. uh, Calories in, calories out. That's the formula for weight loss. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you have an eating disorder or a food addiction or you're normal. That's the the formula. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. So these people said, eat three meals a day, nothing in between, one day at a time. And I was like, well, what? The, I mean, there's got to be more to it. And they were like, nope, eat three meals a day, nothing in between, one day at a time. And I was able to because of the support of the program. And that's when it dawned on me. Oh, this is when I would normally go there and eat that. Oh, this is when I would normally eat that. Like it opens my eyes to things that I could not see that a person in there in an active addiction does not see because the disease of addiction does not allow you to see it, or at least mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. that's how it was. So I had secrets for myself. So when yeah. they say, you know, it's not a weight problem, it's a food problem. And for me, there are substances that I have to abstain from. I have to say no to sugar and flour. Um, and then I realized, 
oh, then I learned that it was a thinking problem because even though those substances are not in my system, mm-hmm. when those emotions that we talk about come up, you know, my, I'm built, I'm created to use those substances. So mm-hmm. to choose a different path, I have to think a different thought. And, right. and that, that takes a lot of time. I mean, we're, you know, that's a year, those are years. Years <laughs> long process. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, still learning. Yeah. Always but in the beginning, yeah. it was like, aha, I have to figure this out. It was a, it was, a aha, I don't have to figure this out. Oh, you, I don't, don't have I don't to. have the answer. I don't have the answer. Okay. But the program and the experience of those who've gone before me do. Mm-hmm. We together, we recover. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, you, you have to, it's, it's ultimately ego smashing in the best of the sense. I mm-hmm. thought I had all the answers. Well, mm-hmm. you know, that definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Clearly, right. none of my answers were working. Right. Right. So I had to say, I don't have to figure this out. And today I still don't have to figure anything out. Right. You just have to get through today. Yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, and there are, I mean, we're certainly simplifying it, but I have people support, I have spiritual support and, um, you know, the universe will tell me what I need right. to know when I need to know, as long as I'm open. And the very first step of being open is not using substances that put me actively in the disease of addiction. Right. I've heard you say that addiction is a cage, especially, especially oh. when we've talked about finding clarity and like yeah. that addiction keeps you trapped. So you, you're, you're just stuck thinking inside this small area, this small box, and you just can't, you just can't see any other possibility. Is that? Yes. I'm nodding my head. Yes. It is. You know, they <laughs> call, they... slowly nodding. Yes. <laughs> Nobody else can see me. Profoundly like, yes. nodding. <laughs> Yes, it is um, called the bondage of self. You are in the bondage of self. I didn't like that. That's what was written before me, the bondage of self. And that's why it is so frustrating for people who love addicts, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because they're like, can't you see X, Y, Z? No, no, they can't. They can't. Mm -hmm. It's not that they do and they choose not to, although there's some of that, I'm sure. It's we can't. Mm -hmm. We can't. I mean... So the disease model of addiction posits that it is not just a mere code of ethics. It's not just morality. It's not just psychology. It is physical. There's Mm -hmm. my, I always say to people, especially new people, if the normal brain is wired and then I hold out my fingers parallel, if the normal brain is wired like this, and then I cross my fingers and I say, my brain is wired like this, I am built to use certain substances. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I continue to go to those meetings and I continue mm-hmm. to grow my spiritual life because I'm never mm-hmm. not addicted. Right. I'm just not, I'm living in recovery. I'm not living in the disease. Right. But you've, you've made that admission to yourself and therefore have set up, you know, boundaries and a system and a support system so that you can honestly deal with it and deal with your feelings and, and uh yeah and and keep moving forward and growing so tell me how has spirituality helped you with all of this the solution is spiritual um and that is a direct quote from the book called alcoholics anonymous which was written many years ago and all 12 step programs are based around the alcoholic anonymous model although they are autonomous 
and have their own um, details, if you will. But the idea of 12-step recovery is founded in a spiritual solution. So, again, going back to that example of the normal person says, oh, when I put my hand to a stove and it's hot, I pull my hand away and I'm never going to do that again because, wow, does that hurt? The addict says, oh, maybe this time it'll be different. And they put their hand on the hot stove. Mm-hmm. Oh, nope, nope, that hurts. This time, this time it's going to be different. And they put their, well, maybe if I turn around and put my hand on the stove, it's going to be different. No, it's always going to hurt. There is something in our physical being and our mental being that prevents us from stopping. So it has to be a power greater than a human power. I mean, how many addicts out there, you know, I told you I was suicidal. Um, I had parents that loved me. I grew up in a very good home, a very well-to-do home. I had friends that loved me. I had, um, you know, five-star education. Um, And yet I still thought life sucked. Mm -hmm. So the facts did not really matter. That's where the thinking problem comes in. So, So another person could say, Jen, you have all this to live for and you shouldn't do this and you should do this. It didn't work for me. But when I have this power that's greater than myself, which initially was just the group, that works for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so my spirituality has evolved and certainly, and, and the reason why I think it works for so many people across the world in various religions and various cultures is because the program does not define that higher power for you. It's up to you. Um, it could, you know, it could be any religion. It could be non-religious. I would say I'm mm-hmm. non-religious, but I'm spiritual. Um, I was told that it can be your higher power. It can be anything you want. It just can't be you. And it can't mm-hmm. be another person because people will always, always let us down. That's the nature, the human fallacy. Um, you need a God of your understanding. And at the end of the day, and there had been uh, about two times in my life where it's come down to this, um, you know, yes, I can, I can make a phone call and, and reach another person. But at the end of the day, whether or not I pick up food that is not good for me or drugs or alcohol, it's really between me and my God, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I need a power that I believe, that I trust that I have a way to communicate to and that I can say, please, God, take away this thought. Please, God, help me not pick up. Mm-hmm. Please, God, help me through. Um, I'll give you an example. So when I early on in my food recovery, we talk, we've been talking a lot about emotional and, and I was working on the emotional side of things. And a friend of mine said, you know, you can have emotions and not eat over them. I was like, I understand that, but I don't know how to implement that. So I remember having an emotion of some sort, probably a disappointment or a frustration, something not going my way. And I sat on my bed and I thought, well, I'm not supposed to eat over this. I'm not really sure what to do. I'm not supposed to eat over this. And I fell asleep. And I came back to the meeting and I said to that friend, what's the deal? I fell asleep. Like, how is that some spiritual experience? And she was like, well, did you eat? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, no. 
Now, I don't know what I was expecting to happen going through feelings, right. but, I, you know, maybe a burning bush or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, the heavens part and the yeah. angels sing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. The dust oh. have been released. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And there's that ego again. Oh, yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I mean, you know, and, and there's all sorts of tools that you can use and, and things that you can do to not pick up. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, the solution is spiritual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that it, on top of that, just from some of our conversations we have, like you have a strong support network to rely on in the program, outside of the program. Like for those who are struggling with things like this, can you tell us about how your support network has impacted your life and recovery and, you know, how important they've been? How are you part of someone else's support system? Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And um, I'm really glad that you asked that, especially during a pandemic, because prior to COVID, I would have said, well, go to a meeting. Well, in COVID, I'm going to say go to a meeting. Um, It's just not in person. There Mm -hmm. are almost all 12 step organizations that I'm aware about, aware of, have implemented some sort of virtual meeting. There are Facebook groups out there. If you search Facebook groups, there are lots Mm -hmm. of groups out there where people connect. it is very tough on addicts right now. It's very tough. The rate mm-hmm. of relapse is not measured for food because, um, unfortunately, the system has not recognized food addiction at the same level that it does drug and alcohol. Um, but I, think- I will say, like, just socially, people I know online, like, how many people have you seen talk about eating eating yep. through their stress, eating through their feelings. Like totally. my house is full of bread 24 seven because my son's baking it constantly. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just gain. as a comfort thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And I, people joke about the quarantine 15, you know, mm-hmm. and, or the whatever. And meanwhile, I've lost weight, you know, I'm continuing after mm-hmm. having a child a couple years ago, you know, continuing my direction in, into, you know, I'm continuing my, I keep, I don't know the word, movement into a normal, healthy weight. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So connection is key. You know, each 12-step group has their own website. Uh, there's literature to read. You mm-hmm. know, I remember early on learning. So I referenced earlier, um, it's called the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it is the text that was written many, many, many years ago. Um and most, if not all, 12-step groups use it as the basis, as the foundation of their program. And I remember hearing that in remote parts of the world where people, there were no meetings, people were able to find recovery using this book alone. Wow. And what I, what I took from that was the fact that I have meetings every day, you know, uh, multiple times a day is a luxury. But again, at the end of the day, this is a spiritual solution. Um, so I, you know, from well, all I can do is t- say what works for me. And what worked for me was connecting with people, reaching out and saying, Hey, I have this problem with food. Mm-hmm. Here's my honest thoughts about it. I'm open to what you have to say and I'm willing to do anything. Um, they call that the how of the program, H-O-W. You have to be honest, open-minded, and willing. And mm-hmm. that's all I got. 
Um, there are people out there, not only who want to help you, but we need to help you. There is a mm-hmm. saying, you can only keep what you give away. If I don't turn around and share this with others, I will lose the gift that I've been mm-hmm. given. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the very least, check out some Facebook groups. I mean, I'm yeah. in a couple and we get new people all the time who are like, I'm struggling, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and immediately hundreds, hundreds of comments flow right. with phone numbers. I mean, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Right. It brings tears to my eyes because it's beautiful. They're just people. We want you to get better. We want right. you to get better. So if we you need, need help, you to get better, find oh. a group, reach out. Yeah. You're, you are tearing up. Oh, I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I know in my moments when I've had issues and I've reached out, you know, I, I've always been surprised at the open arms that have been waiting for me. So sometimes people just need to be asked or people need to be aware of, um, even personally, like I've reached out to you when I've had a bad day or just, or other friends just been like, man, my life sucks right now. <laughs> and we've just, yeah. just have that conversation. Just, just, even if it's not about addiction, if it's just about, I need to talk to somebody, you know, sometimes that's, yeah, that's and, how and you I, start. I think with the food thing that so many, you know, when people think about eating disorders, they think bulimia and anorexia, although binge eating disorder is becoming more well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, uh, I'm bulimic. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, but, you know, people who find themselves unable to stop eating, mm-hmm. maybe it's not binging, maybe it's grazing, maybe it's, you know, and who have tried other things and just cannot figure this, how do I stop eating? Mm-hmm. You know, there are groups, more than one. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, while I, belong to one, there are more than one, you know, find something that works for you. And just know, because the disease often prevents us from asking for help. But just know that you are not alone. You're mm-hmm. not bad. You're right. not gross. You are not anything other than sick. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm in my disease, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. And if somebody is sick, they go to the doctor or they go to, you know, somebody to, to, we, we, this is what we say. If someone's sick, they go to the doctor and the doctor gives them medicine. Well, I was sick. I came to the program mm-hmm. and my medicine is a daily spiritual solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, years ago, I've talked about this before on the podcast that I went through therapy and I had a number of issues and, um, and one of the things Sarah uh, points out in, in some of our episodes is that some of these things um, are generational. Um, so when we get beyond talking about food, and maybe this is true for food too, but um, like my father, who was not part of my life, um, was an alcoholic and an addict. He eventually died from heart failure because of his addiction. Um my grandfather was an alcoholic. So I grew up raised by a mom and a grandma who were very much affected by that. So there was codependency. And so I went to codependent um, groups and, you know, um, groups, 12 step groups related to all of that. Just learning where my thought processes and behaviors came from. And so now this whole learning how to say no thing, I realize there's a lot of codependency and a lot of 
not understanding how to set boundaries. And so I know that's where a lot of it comes from. I've thought recently about, you know, finding another group and kind of getting back into that just to remind, kind of like to brush up, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. yeah. remind myself of those things. Um, because I think there's, there are 12 step programs for everybody. And if, even if you're not the person specifically with the problem, you may be very well affected by someone in your family or someone you love who has a major problem. And there are groups out there to help with that. Yeah. Addiction is a family disease. I mean, you walk into Mm -hmm. any addiction counselor and that's one of the first things they will tell you. Addiction is a family disease. It affects everybody. And and Mm -hmm. what you just said is a perfect example of that. It is. Yeah. I I mean, I never knew my grandfather and I hardly knew my father, but I was still affected. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So because people adjust, people adjust for the addict and food and being overweight. There are multiple statistics about um, obesity in this country and in the world. Yep. You can't tell me this country doesn't have a food addiction problem. Generationally. Yeah. I mean, the average size of a woman has gone up a couple times in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is not about vanity. This is not about shaming anybody. This mm-hmm. is about health. Right. And physically and mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I was not living the life that I'm meant to live. I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't happy to put it very simply. I just wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so when you say, you know, at the beginning, you said, well, you know, I have an easy time saying no. The most important thing in my life is my abstinence, which is the equivalent of sobriety for food and my sobriety. Mm-hmm. Because without that, I don't have my husband. I don't have my children. I don't have mm-hmm. my career. I don't have mm-hmm. anything because yeah. I immediately go back into that bondage of self, that cage. Yeah. Right, I, I so. guess I met, I misspoke when I said you, you know, you, I didn't mean to say that you, it's easy for you. It's just like, it seems like your life is structured oh. around it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. I've been around you for like whole days when we work together and like your food is timed. What you intake is very specific. Like um, we've been on calls or in projects where you just very firmly say, Nope, I can't do that. Or, you know, like you're very, um, you care for yourself this way. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like this active thing I see you doing. We're like, Nope, I can't do that. Can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And it's, it's not that it's easy. It's just like, like you've, you've based your life on this really. And you've just really, it's the foundation. And then, and then, and everything else falls away. And it just seems like in the moment when I'm watching you, you know, live, it just seems like there's no, on the outside, it doesn't look like there's an inner struggle at all. It's just like, nope, this is what I plan to do. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And there isn't, you are correct. Where my food is concerned, there is no struggle. Mm-hmm. I've right. been relieved from the obsession for today. Cause you don't I mean, have to think about it. No. Mm-mm. Right. And, and the other thing about program is you know, not only do you get to choose your own higher power, but not everybody has the same food issues that I have. Right. So I eat three right. meals a day and I eat a snack. Some people, you know, if you're waking up at 5 a.m. and, you know, a lot of teachers, for instance, they wake up at 5 a.m. They're not going to sleep till 9 or 10. They may need two snacks. Nurses, mm-hmm. people who work 12-hour shifts, their food plan is going to look different. It's not about 
um, you know, you don't, I actually walked in and was like, well, where's the diet? And they were like, well, we don't have one. And I found that very annoying. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I just want the rules. And they're like, well, you need to determine that for yourself. I know people who can eat dessert. Great. I haven't had a cookie cake or sweet in 18 years. I don't miss mm. it. I don't want it. And I don't need it. Now, there have been hard times in my life. I have gone through loss. I have gone through, um, you know, things that happen in life where perhaps we call it the food calls a little bit stronger. And I think, well, maybe I will eat that. Intelligently, I can say that candy bar isn't going to make my loss any easier because it's not mm-hmm. about that. It's about that, the disease. Mm-hmm. That's when I have to pick up a phone and say, hey, or send a text or pray mm-hmm. or walk, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I've had twice, no, once I think I left my house with the intention of going to get um, food that was not on my food plan, sugar, something sugary. And, you know, I get a phone call on the way there from somebody in program. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Hello, you know, universe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that only yeah. happens when I set myself up for that to happen. Right. You know, mm-hmm. when I give my number out, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I no longer have the struggle of weight. That's a miracle. Mm-hmm. I no longer have the struggle of self-worth. That's a miracle. And I no longer have the struggle of what is my purpose in life? I know what my purpose in life is. I'm told it's to be of maximum service to the universe. And at the very, very basic level to reach out and help another struggling compulsive reader bulimic, anorexic, alcoholic, you know, this is my purpose in the world. And it's one that I'm very grateful for. And, and as much as I set boundaries for my own life, I'm in a position to do so. Not everybody is all the time. There have been times when my planned meal didn't go as planned or a meeting goes over the lunch hour, right? My clients don't care mm-hmm. whether or not I eat lunch at noon or three. No. <laughs> um, and I have tools to deal with that too. I can adjust. Got choked up listening to all of that. I, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I live, I live to eat. I don't No, I eat to live. I don't live to eat. Right. And I eat in proportion most of the time. Um, yeah, it's so, it is the easier way. It's so much easier than a diet. Oh, diets were torture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure many people are listening, nodding their heads going, oh yeah, I've been there. All these boomerangers and, oh. you know, yeah. And the feeling bad about yourself or, you know what? I went off my diet, so I'm going to, you know, F it and just no, really eat what I it. want. Yeah. 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 And then you eat yourself after. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Normal yeah. eaters don't feel shame. I was told that real early on. Normal eaters don't feel shame. And I was like, oh, I don't know that I've ever not felt shame. Oh, wow. Until I got into recovery. Now I have no yeah. shame. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, That's good. Yeah. Um, so personally, this has really improved your life and you've been able to structure. But I think the clarity has also really affected your career. 
if I'm not mistaken. I remember you telling me about when you were working with an agency and you had a major sports team who will not be named as a client and they were really difficult and, you know, you had to hold their hand all the time and you're on call 24 seven, you were totally stressed out. And there was this moment when you're like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And like, I'm out. And you just decided you were going to change course pretty dramatically. Right. And, and mm-hmm. along the way, you've had some other moments of clarity that you might not have had before. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I eat sugar or flour or I'm binging or I'm obsessed about my weight or I'm looking in the mirror every two seconds to see if my body has changed in the last second, um, I have a lot, you know, when I'm not doing that, I've got a lot of time and a lot Mm -hmm. of space to receive messages and to see life as it really is. And yeah, I was complaining about my job prior to specific incident and I was debating going back to school and I had done the footwork um, little by little as overwhelming as it was Mm -hmm. and um, then uh, yeah then then I had that moment that that final you know what I'm ready (laughs) Um, I was working for a fantastic company with fantastic people making really good money and when I told my mom that I was quitting my job at 31 years old to go back to grad school for creative writing. She was like, I'm, I'm sorry. You're what? You're going to what? <laughs> you know, it's the equivalent of back in the day, like I'm going to be a singer. <laughs> and the parents <laughs> is like, Oh God, you know, Oh no. Um, I'm going to be an artist. You know, certainly today there's more mm-hmm. that, that cliche. Of, yeah, oh God, yeah, yeah. How are you going to pay your bills kind of thing? Yeah. And, but I felt it intrinsically and it wasn't like, you know, I I know that the way I'm speaking right now, it sounds a little airy fairy, but like, I was talking to people, I was living my life out loud and they were like, you're always complaining about your job. Maybe you should look into something else. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do. Well, what do you like to do? Well, I used to write. I like to read. I love words. Okay, we'll look into that. You know, I mean, I just shortened probably six months of conversations into <laughs> five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't yeah. want to give the impression that just one day I wake up and poof. Yeah. Certainly that happens for people. Um, right. I'm a much slower learner. Um, and, and I remember saying, well, I don't, I don't know the first thing about looking for grad school. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And if you notice mm-hmm. that every time I say, I don't know what to do, the answer comes. And someone mm-hmm. said, well, why don't you find a program? See if there's a program in Cleveland. So literally, I went online and Cleveland State has a creative writing program. And I came back to this person and I said, well, I found one. And they were like, great. Okay, well, your next step is to request some information. I mean, I had to have somebody hold my hand. Meanwhile, in my professional life, I'm Mm -hmm. managing six-figure budgets for Mm high-profile clients, speaking very authoritatively, very confidently. But change is hard. It's a risk. It was a huge risk that that I was thinking about taking. Mm-hmm. So you do the footwork and then when the time comes to make a decision, when I'm not using and I'm, I'm tapped into the universe or intention or however you want to put right. it, I get my answer. Mm-hmm. So yes, that day I was like, oh, I got my answer, but I had done all this work right? For, I think a year prior so to that. So you kind of had a plan in the back of your head. You were At, just kind of yeah. waiting for the, the sign. Yeah. Like now, now's the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, it, it was the best move. So I, and I didn't know what I was going to do afterwards. I didn't say, well, I'm going to be a copywriter. I had no idea. I just knew mm-hmm. that I was tired. Yeah. Um, 
that I, you know, I was working 60, 70 hour weeks. I was tired. I needed a break. And quite frankly, I used all through undergrad. You know, I was, I used food. I used alcohol and drugs all through my undergraduate experience. Going back to school free of those things. Oh, best time. Best time. Really? You could oh. appreciate it more. You got more out I of it. I did my homework. I enjoyed oh. <laughs> it. Yeah. I went to class. Oh, that's a big, big, big thing. Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I read great works of literature. I learned how to express my views on those without being overbearing and without being meek. I mean, so many things, so many things mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. wonderful experience. Um, and then when I got out, you know, I, I, again, I don't know what to do. Well, then you ask people and I ended up doing some contract work in writing and create, uh, copywriting. For, I, I also worked at retail. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I still had to pay my bills when I worked retail, which, you know, in my thirties, I have a master's degree working retail. I mean, there's a level of humility that had to happen mm-hmm. and it did only because of program and those around me. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, I get a, an in-house copywriting management job at a fantastic company, um, learned so much, was able to really bring all of my life experiences, that marketing side of things the new love for writing, um, got some management experience. It was great. was recruited out for an agency. Um, not a great experience. However, that in and of itself had so many lessons and I really met some of the most fantastic people, um, ever there. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, my personal life had some challenges. Um, you know, I had a couple of babies, um, and, and then the time came when, uh, again, I don't know what to do because I was just let go from this agency. I was three months pregnant. And I was like, well, I, I, before this, I had started having these thoughts of freelance, but it's very scary, you know, yeah, um, with a family, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I mean, my health insurance, you know, all this stuff. And I was making really good money. Um, and I was let go. And, uh, I, you know, as I told you, I was like, go on a Friday. I went to work on a Monday, like made some phone calls. I did the footwork. I said, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm here. Here's what I can offer. And that was, you know, two years ago. Um, I remember we talked about that and you mm-hmm. said I had clarity so I could yes. kind of see the signs that this was going to happen. So I started yes. making phone calls and thinking about what am I going to do next? So when it happened, like, again, you kind of had a plan in the back of your head, ready to go. And so, and you wouldn't have had that before no. uh, without that clarity. You wouldn't have been aware that you would have been in your own little cage. And what was me? Mm-hmm. What was me? Yeah. No, I would have yeah. been a victim. I would have been a victim. Right. And I'm not a victim today. Even when I am right. a victim, I'm not a victim. Right. Can I tell the funny story about when you, when you went out on your own? And so... Listeners, this is to me, I think, hilarious. So Jen and I have known each other for mm, 20 Almost years? 20 years. Almost. 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Personally. So Jen is very good friends with my beloved sister-in-law. And so she's been to my house. She met my kids when they were little. She's We've been to family events and parties and things. And so we've known each other through that. Uh, back in the day, I went to like a jewelry party, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, so 
when my sister-in-law Beth came to me one day, she said, Hey, so Jen, uh, she's on her own now. She, she left, uh, where she is. She's looking for work. And I was like, well, what does she do? And she's like, Oh, she's in marketing. And I'm like, wait, what? She's in marketing. And then meanwhile, she had a conversation with you. And how did that go? She goes, I said, yeah, well, I'm on my own. You're looking for clients. And she goes, well, you know, my sister-in-law owns a marketing agency. And I was like, she does? <laughs> what? Yeah. Tell me about so, this. Yeah, and I remember so like, a... Googling it like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. So we had like, a very yeah. funny conversation. Yeah. And I think I snapped you right up. Like yeah. within a couple of weeks, I was like, come on. And so, and it's been great. We've worked together ever since. And it's in, been awesome. Um, yeah, it's been a wonderful partnership. So mm-hmm. it's just funny. You know, you never know who you know and who's doing what. And you just have to be aware of your surroundings. Um, so back to the no thing, though, like what I, one of the other things I thought would be interesting to people is that with your business, so I'm in marketing, you're in marketing, but you've really honed in on a core set of services that you offer. Like, in fact, I've seen you outsource or refer out business that you just were like, nope, that's not really in my wheelhouse. So, you know, you really stick to like copywriting and some brand strategy. Well, not some, a lot of brand strategy, Mm -hmm. um, website writing, content writing. So it's all about the writing. Um, and, and so how is saying no to certain types of clients or projects helped you grow your business or develop your skills as a professional? And also like, what was the fear factor there with the saying no to that stuff? Like, yeah, you know, again, a big risk. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the reasons why I decided to go back into writing and, and when people ask me, you know, why did you leave? I was an account manager. So doing digital marketing, I said, well, as I moved up the corporate ladder, if you will, as I moved up the chain of command, I got farther and farther away from the actual creative part. You know, now I was managing writers and designers and this and that. I, I wasn't creating anymore and that's what I missed. So as I'm, when I first went out on my own, I was like, yep, I can do that. And then I'd come home and figure it out, right? Like whatever somebody needed where it was writing oriented, I was like, oh, I can absolutely help you. And then at three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, so what do I do? Like, you know, try to figure it out. Um, and that was very, and, and that is the story for many entrepreneurs, as I know you know, Heather. Um, but a lot oh, of my faith. My favorite quote of 2018 is from Jen Prohaska, where <laughs> you sat next to me and you asked me about something and you're like, do you know about this? And I was like, yeah, I don't, what is that? And, she's, and you said, I don't know. Ask me next week and I'll be an expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always say right? we're professional learners. We're expert yeah. at learning things. Yeah. 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 And I've heard the phrase and this may be even more from you. I'm not sure, but you know, ready, fire, aim. Like I would oh. accept clients and then I'd be like, all right, I got to figure out how to do this. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's great for a certain period of time. But from right. an efficiency, a productivity standpoint, and just making money, it's not sustainable. Right. And, and just the fatigue factor is yeah. just exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we have families too, right? I mean, it's not like right, I'm right. 23 and single. Um, absolutely. So, but in that process, I kept reminding myself the reason why I got into writing in the first place was because I wanted to create. So a lot of times, a lot of things, paid advertising campaigns, you know, do they involve content? Yes. But I don't want to execute them. I want to write them. But Mm -hmm. I know enough now because I learned how to execute them um, very lightly, you know, um, I don't want to take anything away from the experts that do this, is that one, I don't like it. Two, I'm not going to do it very well because I don't like it. And it's not all that I do. 
And three, I know enough where I can advise my clients now. So really, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, my company's name is The Right, W-R-I-T-E, Difference. The difference is that I'm not just a writer. I understand these things and I can pull people like yourself who are experts in areas that I'm not and we mm-hmm. can work together. But my client has the mm-hmm. efficiency um, of, of dealing with one entity. So, mm-hmm. and even in that, I've learned that, you know, maybe I don't want to contract this person and maybe I will send this project out with the understanding that I'm doing the writing. You know, I own the branding kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's a risk when I'm looking at the numbers, because sometimes, and I think a lot of us fall into this, I'm looking at the dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Well, that project is, let's say five grand. I could have five grand. Okay. But what is that five grand really going to cost me? I don't know how mm-hmm. to do it for five mm-hmm. grand. So really, I'm not making five grand. Um, and the mental frustration, the fatigue, you know, if I'm going to take on the risk of being an entrepreneur, I want to be happy. Right. I want, I, I want to yeah. be fulfilled. Right. Right. So, yeah. So to say no to those things and really, and I know that you guys have talked about this before, by saying no to one thing, I'm saying yes to a whole lot right. of other things. Totally frees you up. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, and some of it is just trial and error. A lot of it for me is trial and error. And again, because of my program, which says, um, ask, you know, find people who have what you want and ask them how they got it. I do the same thing in my professional life. I have found groups of copywriters um, right. online, internationally, right? Mm-hmm. All these people. And we ask each other questions and right. we get feedback. And, I, you know, I've ask them and I'm like, I ask this question. I'm like, I'm going to feel really stupid, but here's my question. And I get amazing support. Yeah. From yeah. people. Um, and, and every time there's a new copywriter who comes in and who's asking a question that, you know, it might be basic to somebody like me, I make it a point if I can to go in and ask them and be like, Hey, welcome. Here's been my experience. Uh, yeah. Because again, if we don't give it away, we're not right. going to keep it. Right. Um, and and I've seen many posts of people, you know, this is too hard. I'm thinking just just two days ago, you guys, I'm really frustrated. I can't get any clients. I'm having a hard time. I think I'm about to give it up. Immediate, and this is a writing group. So nothing mm-hmm. about spirituality or wellness or mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's still a sense of community with, as I entered my comment and hit send five immediately appeared. So you know that this person posted and we all, we're like, just and it wasn't a bunch dove of, in. Yeah. And it wasn't a bunch of BS. Chin up. Yeah. It was, Hey, you've said this. Maybe you should try that. Or how about you try this? Or this works for me. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's actionable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. I, I don't remember my, um, the test that you take that gives you the four anagrams. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember it, but they're all extroverts. So you can tell that I'm getting super excited just talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. this. Yeah. 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 That sense of community. Yeah. is where I get my energy from. Yeah. I'm a little more of an introvert, but I have reached out to other business owners and asked, how did you do this? How'd you cope with this? And so, you know, sort of more on a one-on-one level, I've had people refer others to me and say, Hey, how did you, would mm-hmm. you mind meeting with, would you mind talking to? And so I find I get energy talking with these new business owners or, you know, I've been in a few small, you know, agency owner groups, um, you know, I can handle <laughs> a smaller size podcast is okay because, you know, really I'm just talking <laughs> to you and people hear it later and I'm not freaking yeah. out. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like 
I'm a big believer in you get out of the universe what you put into it. Absolutely. It's that karma thing, right? Um, yeah. And, um, and I agree with you. I feel like, you know, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> and yeah. when others ask, give, you know, just be there for them and to the, to the amount you're able or to the, uh, you know, offer what you, what you know, what you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you and I've had some amazing conversations, yeah, you know, we have. where I'm able to talk and say, listen, it's, it's the equivalent of, you know, this is how much money I have in the bank. What do you think? I mean, that's a very vulnerable position it is. to put yourself in. And I'm not saying that people need to go out there and yell to the universe, right? But right. Um, find, find those mentors, find, find people, yeah. yeah, and share what you need to. I once went to a, a women's leadership conference. And there were maybe a hundred, 200 people in the audience. And there were like eight women leaders. And one of them was this woman named Laura Sheridan. And Laura Sheridan was um, a brand strategist. She has her own agency and she once worked for Progressive Insurance. And I think she was one of the people that helped develop Flow. Mm. And so they were talking about women's leadership and women in business and all this stuff. And the topic of mentorship came up and she said, you know, if you find someone who has what you want, like you were just saying, ask them, ask them how they got it. Ask them to be a mentor, ask them for coffee. So (laughs) nervously, I stood in line at the microphone with my business card in hand and I put her on the spot and I was like, hi, Laura. (laughs) So... You said it didn't hurt to ask, so I'd like to take you out to coffee. And would you mind? And and I walked up and I gave her my card, and everybody laughed and everything. But she took me up on it, and we had coffee a couple of times. And you know, she's very very business. I mean, sorry, a very busy person. So I haven't spent a huge amount of time with her, but she's been there when I've had an email, mm-hmm. like a question, I could email her or you know whatever. And she's been very generous. And I find like you'd be surprised. Um how generous people can be with their time. And if they say no, then you ask someone else. So, you know. Yep. And I think those of us who are in the position to help, what we know that maybe the person asking for help doesn't know yet, we get something out of this too. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. oftentimes as I'm telling somebody something, I'm hearing exactly what I need to hear. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've, especially during the pandemic, you know, I mean, within 48 hours of the shelter at home here in Ohio, I lost $20,000 worth of business. I mean, done. Oh, yeah. Me Gone. too. Everything yeah. went away. Yeah. yeah. Um, And to be like, okay, you know, and then to see some good friends at former places lose their jobs. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a very difficult time in a lot of ways. Um, And there were some moments where I'm just feeling a little low and somebody calls feeling lower you know, or feeling Mm -hmm. as low or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm over there telling them, you know, well, let's focus on this and what can we, and that's exactly what I needed to hear. Thanks for calling and asking for help because you probably helped me more than I did you. Right. This is totally symbiotic relationship. And I truly, there are a couple of theories out there now that I'm really attracted to. I really do believe that it's the connection between people um, that matters. Yeah. Would you say that's your golden nugget of advice? We always ask everybody for a golden nugget. What's your golden nugget of advice for people? 
Well, I would even take it a step before connection. My golden nugget of advice would be to just say, I don't know. And leave it at that. I don't know. You know, we live in a, I don't know, a society, um, the American work ethic. You know, we live in a place where knowledge is perceived as power. And the more you know, the more powerful you must be. And um, I have found greater fruit in just saying, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And learning to be comfortable with that. Yeah. I thought about that a lot too, in that in that during this pandemic, a lot of the stress I think everybody is feeling, the grief is that like we don't know what's gonna happen next. And it reminds me of when my children were small and every day they needed to know what was gonna happen that day. They would ask mm-hmm. what's happening today, or if we were going somewhere, what's gonna happen? <laughs> and we would have to like verbally talk it through, like we're gonna do this and then this is gonna happen and you know what are we doing today? And, and the fact that we can't always know what's happening next is very unsettling for people and learning to live in the the discomfort and the unknowing mm-hmm. is you have to find that spiritual center of just like sitting with it and being okay with yourself. And yes. And there are a couple of prominent authors, psychologists out there who talk about being comfortable in uncertainty mm-hmm. and one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children is I don't know yeah but here's what we're going to do today here's what I do now you know I have a six-year-old she is I mean she'll ask me everything from what are we doing today five times to, are you going to die mom well <laughs> not right the second I hope um <laughs> you know but yeah, but my, my hearing gut. about COVID might be very scary to little kids and they're worried. Absolutely. Absolutely. When is the virus going to go away? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but here's what we've got on our plate today. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and being able to put my child's needs ahead of my own in that instance, you know, um, all comes from being absent and sober for me. Right. It all comes from recovery. It's all full circle. Being able to take the risks that I've taken and trust that, um, I don't know that it'll be okay is the right way to say it, but trust that it's the path I'm supposed to be on. Right. Um, and the bumps along the way serve a purpose. And if it's not, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe if all my business were to go away tomorrow and I decide, hey, I think I'm going to go back working for somebody else. Great. Then that's my new path. That's okay, mm-hmm. too. You mm-hmm. mentioned shame earlier. I don't have a shame today. There's no need for shame. Shame and guilt doesn't, has never done right. anybody any good. Yeah. It serves no purpose other than self-defeat. Yeah. Or if I am ashamed of, you know, being ashamed of something that I have done, then I can take steps to take responsibility, apologize, maybe set right. But when I say shame, I mean, as, as a living being, mm-hmm. you know, I exist for a reason. I'm one of many. I'm just a spoke in the wheel and there's comfort in that. But I'm still here for a reason. So right. help me out, the universe. What, you know, where you want me? None of that, all of that goes away. All my choices, everything goes away. If I pick up food, but it's not on my food plan or I drink today. It all goes away. Right. What a great conversation, Jen. Thank yeah, you so much for you. your... But uh, but thanks for sharing with our listeners for your vulnerability, your honesty, yeah. your gift of just 
sharing your story and helping others find the journey they're supposed to be on. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and being so open. Thank you. I appreciate the platform. Um, I, again, I think, you know, people with food addiction, weight loss is a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. And uh, that's not always the answer for some of us. So. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. thanks again. Thank and, you. And uh, just stay on that path. Will do. <laughs> Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast, who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode. Thanks also to our friends, families, and listeners for all of your encouragement and support. That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness. Logo design by Angela Giacco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com. Music by Gigi Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no. Then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.